0: Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS on American soccer. Let's get it going, boys!
1: Welcome to Season Two, Episode Ten of MLS Gone Wild. This is Blem.
0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode. It's your
2: boy Poopus. What's up, guys? It's Mike D, and we got a big one for you guys.
1: On tonight's episode of MLS Gone Wild, our special guest is one of the best and most talked about young talents in the MLS. Some call him the Medford Messi. Others are comparing him to the likes of Kai Havertz. His name is Brendan Aronson. Brendan, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Thank you, thank you. Of course, man, how are you doing tonight?
3: Good, good. I was just, I was watching my brother play a little bit with Bethlehem Steel at the Union 2 now. He used to be called Bethlehem Steel, but I'm doing good.
1: Well, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Paxton later on in the interview. Um, but, Brendan, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are.
3: Well, my name is Brendan Aronson. I play for the Philadelphia Union. I'm number 22. I'm a center attacking midfielder. And, yeah, that's that's really how you get to know me.
1: Cool. Well, tomorrow makes two years since you signed your homegrown, homegrown contract with the Philadelphia Union. Yeah. Time, flies. Time flies, doesn't it?
2: It does, it does, yeah.
1: All right, so, Mike D, take us back in time to March 17th, 2019.
2: Brendan, back in March 2019, Philadelphia Union are playing Atlanta United at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Three matches into the season. Not only is it your first time with the the first team, you're also making your MLS debut. Yeah. 47 minutes into your debut, you score a goal to lead your team to a 1-1 tie against the defending 2018 MLS Cup champs, Atlanta United. This team was stacked with players such as Joseph Martinez, Darlington Nagby, Vialba, PT, and so on. Not only was this a huge stage, but there was some big talents and veterans on the field with you. Yeah. Take us back. Describe your emotions after opening your MLS account, scoring a goal, and and leading your team to that tie.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was easily the best moment of my life, I would say, because I've been with this the Philadelphia Union from when I was 10 years old and working up and finally putting on that jersey and getting your first – minutes and starting was just huge for me and being able to go into the game and the game that I played and score that goal was just it was huge for me and I think it was such a confidence booster for the rest of the year and it was just something to work off of and it couldn't have gone any better
2: yeah what was it like stepping out on that field going up against Joseph Martinez Darlington Nagby some of those guys that are on the field with you
3: yeah, it was, I mean, it's surreal. Like you see, I mean, I used to watch darn Miami on the national team. He's an unbelievable player. And seeing Joseph Martinez score 31 goals this season before, and then he scored 31 season again. So it's like you're, gonna, you're going against a superstar. Like you can go in nervous. I was very nervous. I think many people would tell me, like, I went to the game, like when we were walking out and like they have like a really cool tunnel where the fans are on each side. Not for the opposite team, of course. It's not fun for them. But like I – I remember people telling me how pale I looked and how nervous I looked, but really I think that I was calm and I like felt like I belonged, and that's how I felt. And I was just confident going into the game, and I just tried to play the best that I could. With the Team. Yeah,
2: confidence, yeah. Is crazy, man.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really hard to be that calm when you're in a sold-out Mercedes-Benz Stadium playing against a team like Atlanta United. But you know, you said that you know people said you were nervous, but really you were calm and you looked calm in your finish and classic. 19-year-old Brendan Aaronson fashion, you let the ball run across your body, slight shoulder feint, and then you beat Brad Guzan near stick for your first ever goal. Like that's a hell of a way to open your account from outside the 18 yeah.
2: under those
1: circu- under those circumstances. Yeah, it was. So let's fast forward it. Another goal that was outside the 18 in our most recent podcast, I dubbed your banger against New York Red Bulls a couple weeks ago, my goal of the week. Thank and you. I did, yeah, and I did my best as a fan Uh, analytically to break down the lead up to the goal but but Brendan from the goal scorers perspective take us through the lead up to that goal
3: yeah so uh, I've said I said it in some interviews from the past week or so but leading up to it there's been a lot of chances where I've had balls like that and it's more about me being decisive and I've been working on my finishing tirelessly in training with coaches with players all that kind of stuff and I put so much work into it so it was really, really great to get that goal. But leading up to it, it was just about timing my run so that I had enough time to take my touch and shoot. But it wasn't just because of the space that I had and how I timed it. It was because of Casper's run in front of me. When the ball was cut back to me, Casper ran, so that created space for me because the center back was taken away. And then I took a, I took a bigger touch because I wanted to hit a longer shot.
2: So. I, I hit it and I didn't think twice about it and it went in. So it was, it was really awesome. For me to score that. for I think that was my favorite part about the whole play was that, that touch um, yeah. it wasn't huge, but it was, I, I think it was perfect. I mean, you had just enough space to really get behind it. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I think it was,
3: I think that's, that was my goal because I think that in games before, like uh, I maybe I wasn't time my run correctly. Maybe I was like, it's it, sometimes it, when you're in those goal scoring chances, you only have one shot of taking that. And I think that it's just all about the prep touch and getting in those situations. Cause I mean, I'm 19 years old. I I'm going to mess up on some occasions. And I think that like, you have to come to realization with that and you just got to keep working harder at it. So I think that all the time that I put into the week after was something that came off and I was really proud of myself.
1: Yeah. As you should be, you make me sound like a genius. That was one of the things <laughs> I highlighted was Shibelko's run, um, diagonally to take the other center back away to leave you wide open. And what a hit it was back stick off the post. Yeah. One, one thing I do have a question about though, and something yeah. I would like you to talk about analytically that uh curtain has talked about. He talked about when you scored that goal, you were in the green zone. What exactly does that mean in your guys' system?
3: So the green zone is something for me and the strikers that we base off of. It's basically you cut the, you cut the field into three halves. The green zone is the third final half of the field. And the green zone is basically getting actions to goal and the quicker to goal there is it's the best way scoring goals. So I think that just getting in the green zone is the most dangerous spot on the field. So that's what he likes to highlight. Cause it's your, if you turn, you're running at the defense. If you're laying it off and someone's running at the defense again, it's just running at the defense in that kind of system. So.
1: Well, that explains it very well. I do have one more question about that goal. I believe I saw some quotes saying that you and Alejandro Bedoya actually work on that that early ball um, to you in the green zone from the right-hand side. Is that something you guys work on frequently?
3: Yeah, the week before, like I I said, we were working on that, just getting balls where touch out of my feet, he plays it across, touch out of my feet, and then just hitting a clean strike. And I think that I did it probably like two or three times that week after training sessions and worked out a sport.
1: Hey, practice makes perfect, man. Get those reps in.
0: Exactly. All right, man, so next question for you. So that's the final whistle of your last match against New England. Five of the 11 Philadelphia Union players are homegrown players, including you, Mark McKenzie, Anthony Fontana, Matt Rio, and Jack DeVries. So with that being said, what has the Union Academy system done to create an environment that constantly develops youth into
3: pros? Yeah, so the biggest part of that is we have a school, so I don't know if you guys have heard about it. It's called YSC Academy. I came when I was a sophomore in high school. I went a freshman in high school to my actual town. I went. I just wanted – my mom wanted me to get a year of regular high school. My Like, it, the school wasn't as big at the time, I can say, as, as you can say, because my mom was worried about my education and stuff like that. But that was probably the best decision I could have ever made was going to YSC Academy because you're around the kid. You're around your teammates 24-7. You're constantly with them. You're constantly working on your game. We had two trainings a day. So we would train in the morning on stuff technically wise. So finishing, turns, just cleanness on the ball, running through cones, all that kind of stuff would be in the morning. That's more of like a technical session. We'd have school for eight hours and then you'd go into your afternoon session, which is the team training. So that whole setup was amazing. And then just having the flexibility of the teachers, where I would I would get brought up with the second team with the Bethlehem Steel at the time. And The teachers would, so I would go in the morning when everybody was training and I'd get my work done there. So it was just the flexibility of everything and having, being able to like do everything when you're focusing on soccer too. So like, they just made it a lot a lot easier on us because when I was going to regular high school, I was stressed. I was doing, I was driving an hour and a half with my dad doing homework in the car and I'm constantly getting car sick. And it's just, it's not ideal. So I think that like this, the stress of the game just got kind of taken off of me a little bit and I was able to just play and not really have to worry about school like that and just get good grades and I've always been good like that. So I think it was a huge part of our development.
2: I mean
0: nobody nobody likes school to begin with anyway. So uh, exactly. we'll start it off at that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's really cool though. I mean to be able to incorporate both of those things into one schooling and then also the athletic side of it and yeah. having the teachers be as lenient as they were. I mean I remember being in school and I couldn't even go to the damn bathroom. Like Yeah, it's, it's it gives, I mean that's super cool to hear and, and just something that I, I really hadn't heard before until I actually started reading some of this stuff about the YC Academy.
3: It's Really awesome. It's a special place for sure.
2: Yeah. So you've been with the union organization for nearly a decade. Um, as you started to play for the union, juniors at the age of 10. Uh, I read at the age of 11, you first met and got to know your current professional coach, Jim Curtin. Yeah. Curtin, Curtin has praised you as a player and is supporting you in your next move in your career, wherever that may be. Um, what is your relationship with Jim Curtin been like and, and how important to your development has it been playing under him up to this point?
3: Yeah, from from day one, I think he's, I could kind of tell he he's a fan of mine. I think coming up from the second team, he's always a pretty big fan of mine. And back when I first met him, I think he was too. But like, it's, it's a different kind of jump going from USL to MLS. So I think that just, it had to do with my work ethic, how I am around people and just I think it just kind of created a good relationship with him and he really, he really likes me. And I think it's just him showing the kind of confidence in me from day one. I think that we have a good relationship talking wise. We always talk. I talk to my, even the assistant coaches, Pat Noonan, I have a really good relationship with him doing film, all that kind of stuff. Oka Nikolov, he's our, he's our third coach. Like everybody, the coaching staff there is unbelievable, very open. You can go to them for whatever, but, yeah i think me and jim have had a really really good relationship and he he wants me to come to him talk to him any concerns anything like that and he's just he's been amazing along the ride yeah it's like
1: like you said you've you know been under some really good coaches to some good coaches at philadelphia union but what does jim Curtin bring to the table that other coaches don't
3: yeah i think that uh on the field i think jim's uh, jim's more quiet coach but he he pushes you to be better i think he's one of those guys where if, if I play the final pass to the back foot, but we still score, he wants me to play to his front foot. It's just, he's always asking that little bit more from me. And I think that's, that's something that's really helped me. And just being, he's a player's coach, so you can go talk to him. And it's just, it's, he's very good like that. And I think that's the best thing with Jim is like that kind of relationship.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's really important for a young player like you and yeah. like Anthony Fontana. I wanted to talk about him, but we kind of jumped ahead. How psyched were you for him to score that brace to lead you guys to a win over New England?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of him. I mean, all of us, all of us home runs have a really good relationship with each other. Like, it, it's, it, I was so proud for him and I was so proud of him and, <clears throat> sorry. And uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing him go out there where he maybe hasn't been playing so much and he's been sitting and then just go out there and score two goals like he did, score two great goals and basically won us the game. It was, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't say I was super proud of him I and mean, two great goals, so. He's been working on it. He's been working extremely hard in training and deserves it.
1: Yeah, and it takes an opportunity to continue to get opportunities, and maybe this will be his spark to get more playing time. Exactly. But in, in previous podcasts, we talked a lot about the FC Dallas Academy, Reggie Cannon, Weston McKinney, all those guys yeah. uh, that, were, that are MLSers, and now you know uh, McKinney's over at Juve.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but Philadelphia Union's Academy is on the map. You guys have five of these 11 guys at the end of a game – Yeah, on the field that's that's absolutely remarkable that's a number that you don't see across the board I think that's a testament to Philadelphia their academy in general but I think over this past year if do you agree with me I think that we've seen totally uh, we've seen a lot of young academy players move up into the first team and really get quality minutes
3: no yeah I totally agree with you and I think it's just about taking your chance so uh, there's been a lot of injuries recently and you, you need a little luck when you play soccer and that's, that's how it is. You need a luck in anything you do. So I think that having that luck of getting in the game when he did and taking the chance like he did is something that's huge in someone's development. Like I did, Marco Fabian goes out with a red card. I come in and I score the goal and that's basically set up the rest of the year for me. And now, so I think that, I think just getting lucky and getting that chance, really, you just really have to take it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Listeners, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors at a timeout Outfitters. We'll be back in 60 seconds.
0: We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Almost like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtics 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? at time Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands that let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible, elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each added time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addittime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters.
1: Welcome back and thanks for sticking around. This is MLS Gone Wild Season 2 Episode 10 featuring 19-year-old Philadelphia Union standout midfielder Brendan Aronson. Head over to AddedTimeOutfitters.com for your soccer-inspired apparel, including wristbands and stickers. Use code GONEWILD, all one word, G-O-N-E-W-I-L-D, at checkout to receive 10% off your entire order. All
0: right, so through 11 matches, you've you've tied your entire 2019 season so far with three goals and two assists. What do you attribute to your production
3: level so far this year? Yeah, I think it's, it's made a huge jump from last year. I think that just being... Getting, getting opportunities in and around the box is something that I needed as a young kid. And I think that, like, when you keep getting in these spots and you keep getting in these opportunities, I think that it just comes with time. And I've been working on it. I credit myself because I've been working on it a ton. And I think my shooting has gotten way better from last year. My final ball has gotten way better from last year. So I think that, for me, I go into every game thinking I, I want to get a goal or an assist. Every single game. Or make a goal happen every single game. Chances created. And that's – as a 10, I think that's something you should be able to do every game. So, if I don't, I'm pissed at myself and I want to do better. So, I think just for sure from last year, it's a lot better than it is – it's a lot better this year and I'm proud of myself. And I'm going to keep going with it and hopefully score more goals and get more assists.
0: Yeah, and we like – and I noticed watching you, like, even when you don't have the ball, you're still making runs, like, everywhere all over the field. And you're yeah. still looking at the ball. So, I mean, that right there just creates more chances too yeah. for everybody. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you you kind of touched on the offensive piece, Brennan, saying that you want to you you have a playmaker's mentality. You want to come out. You want to have a goal. You want to have an assist. And something that I would just like to to bring up is you're not only the offensive player. You bring a defensive presence. Uh, I, Mike D and I played in the midfield at D three college soccer, and we played against some guys that we would consider gnats in the midfield. Yeah, and those are guys, and those are guys that are constantly working in the midfield. Yeah. And we didn't disclose this but we're all Columbus Crew fans and we're thankful to have Darlington Nagbe but yeah. in one of the most recent games that you played against the Columbus Crew you know you were matched up basically with Darlington and yeah. I, I don't know if it was necessarily your role in that game but you were a gnat on Darlington and you limited what he could do.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, for me I've always been a player that my dad has drilled this into me since day one is you need to be the hardest working player on the field always. And you don't normally get that with a number ten, I don't think. And that's something that I'm different. And I, for I just want to say this: I don't necessarily see myself as a flat out ten. I, I like to call myself an eight and a half. I'm in between an eight and a ten. And I don't, I, I, I don't think I necessarily say I'm a ten or I'm an eight. I'm I'm in between. I uh, I think I have a creative part of me. I work very hard, and I, like defensively, I'm very good too. So I think that. It's not really a ten or it's not really an eight, so it's kinda of weird. But um yeah, I think in that game I was I was supposed to be around Darlington because he makes the game. He makes the game happen and I think he keeps Columbus ticking, so my job was to get around him and make it uncomfortable for him. And uh yeah, I think I did a good job that game, but what I'm always focusing on now is have that defensive side of things, but also doing things going forward. And uh yeah, that's that's probably what I have to say against
1: the about the Columbus game. So speaking on your offensive, you know, what you want to do offensively for the Philadelphia union Curtin wants you to be a volume player. That means that he wants you to have a lot of touches. Yeah. I'm going to give you a stat. It's not a great stat for you, Brendan. um, But it's, it's not a bash on you whatsoever, but your bottom 15% in attacking midfielders for usage rate. What do you think that you and the Philadelphia union can do better to get you the ball more? Because I you're putting up more numbers and getting less of the ball. So what do you think you can do and the union can do?
3: Well, yeah, in the system that we play, it's it's tougher. It's tough for me to get the ball. I have many conversations with the co- coaching staff and stuff like that. And the formation we play in is you have to be between the lines always or it doesn't work. There's no point of me I, – I, I see all these midfielders come back and get the ball. Yeah, it's good in the system that they play at three, 4-3-3. Three. They come back, get on the ball, take, like, 40 touches, then play it out wide. Like, it's not it, – it's not really – like, there's not really anything happening, if you know what I mean. And I think that when I'm between the lines and I get it and I can turn, there's more stuff happening at that point. And, yeah, I wish I could get the ball more, and I wish I could do all that kind of stuff. But I think in just this formation that we play, it's forced. I'm forced to stay between the lines and make runs in behind and do all that kind of stuff. And for sure I want to touch the ball more. That's my goal every game. I hate going without games of not touching the ball. And I think it's just something that I uh, – I'm going to keep working on my spatial awareness and stuff like that. But when teams sit back, it's also very, it's very, very hard. Like the New England game, when you have a up, of my butt the entire game. So it it just depends on the game, and I think it's the formation that we play too. And it's definitely something I want to bring up stat-wise for sure. But it definitely has to do with our formation.
1: Yeah, and, the, and, and being in the bottom 15% isn't a bad stat. Really what yeah. this looks like is you're more efficient this year than you were last year in the role yeah. that you're in. And so I, I just want to bring something up. It, it came to my head when Brennan was talking. We talked to Kellen Acosta when he was in the bubble. And I sat down for an entire game and tracked his touches and saw how many he had. And he had like 50 or some touches. And he said for him to feel effective in the game, he wanted close to 100 touches. That was, and you said you would like to be on the ball more. What is around the touch range that you think you would need to be to be happy?
3: Yeah, I think – for anybody i think it's touched the ball as much as you can i think yeah kellen's right like he plays a deeper position than i do so i think for him he wants to keep the ball taking and getting on the ball more and doing all that kind of stuff but for me I, I think when i touch the ball i think when i touch the ball i want to be the most dangerous person on the field always like people should be worried when i touch the ball you know what i mean and i think that's the that's the position that i play when i'm in between the lines and i can turn and i can run at the back four so i think that for sure i want to bring my touch stuff and that's something I'm going to keep working on. So I'm going to, I'll probably say 60 touches even more if I can, you know what I mean? But I I definitely want to bring that up. And that's something that uh, hopefully I'll have more conversations. with.
1: Yeah. When I, when I said the words attacking mindset, a couple minutes ago, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That response that you just gave us, you didn't give us a number. You said you want it to be the most dangerous man on the pitch. Yeah. And there's a lot of times in games that we watch that you absolutely are. So, Brendan, in just under two years, you've gone from an academy player to a homegrown signing to a consistent starter and contributor for the first team of the Philadelphia Union, not to mention your U.S. men's national team call-ups. The United States is getting a lot of mention for the young talent right now, and it feels like at this moment, this is the moment for United States soccer to really blossom and to really blow up. To me, it feels like we're on the brink of greatness and we're, we're really going to see the potential come to light in the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. So, so Brendan, with all of the young talent on the U.S. Men's National Team, what are your thoughts on the player pool for the upcoming 2022 World Cup and the qualifiers? And where do you see yourself fitting into that midfield when the time does come?
3: Yeah. Um, like you said, the, the talent is unreal right now. I mean, you have guys all over Europe. You have – Gio, Christian, Weston, who just made a move to Juventus, and I've seen pictures of Ronaldo, which is crazy and incredibly happy for him, um, and so many guys, Tyler Adams, you know, so many guys in that kind of category where I, I actually just watched Tyler's game against uh, the DFB Cup, and uh, he was unbelievable, and he made them tick, too, so uh, I think that for me, I think that the talent level is really, really high right now, and I think that American fans should be very excited because it's a it's a new age for for American soccer and I think that it's only going to keep getting better and better because you can see there's steps in the MLS is next I don't know if you've seen that the new academy they're just it's everything is taking more steps in American soccer and I think that a lot of people are seeing that and it's just it's awesome to see and I'm I'm really uh hopeful I can be a part of it and uh yeah, it's it's something when I whenever I put on the U.S. jersey, I I love it. And it's something when I watch World Cups, it's always something I've always wanted to be a part of. Well, we all know you're gonna be a part of it without a doubt. So <laughs> we'll put it right there. I hope. I,
2: I hope. Yeah. So um, just kind of building off of what you talked about, you know, talking about um, you know Weston and you know, I read a something recently. According to Matt Doyle, the armchair analyst, you recently joined the Wasserman Media Group which also represents Zach Steffen, who's now of Manchester City, and Weston McKinney, who you just mentioned, recently made that move to Juventus, uh, that European powerhouse. Wassermen have proven that they can take young American soccer talent to the best teams and leagues in the world. Weston McKinney's move to Juventus, making him the first American player to ever play for that club, has been so amazing for the credibility of American-made soccer players this is what every young soccer player, not only in America but in the world, aims to do. Going from playing with Cristiano Ronaldo and FIFA and you know watching him play on TV to playing alongside him as a teammate in real life, I, I mean, can't even imagine that feeling. If a move away from the MLS is in your future, which we hope it is, what is your dream landing spot, and I think I have an idea of what it might be, and what player would you love to play alongside?
3: Yeah, so for me, um, my favorite team is, as you know, wearing the hat and you know, I see all the stuff in the back, which was sick. But Liverpool, um, I think just for a next step for me, though, I think it's something a little bit smaller. And I'm still trying to, um, I mean, there's still, they're still talk about that and they're still trying to figure that out. But I think definitely a smaller spot and then working up from there. But uh, Liverpool is my dream club, and that's something I'd really like to be a part of. I love the way they play. They're always on the front foot. They're working hard. And they're always creating chances. And I think for me, I've always had my favorite player is Messi. So being able to play at Barstom and play along a him would be sick. Like I see Conrad is playing next to him, which is pretty cool too. Genius. But yeah, me- Messi for sure. But like I said, I always like to say this is my focus on the union. And this club has brought some – It's it's so special to me. And I just – I want to do the best I can for them. And I want to work hard every single game. And that's really all my focus right now, and I'm gonna put as much as I can into this team because we have a real shot at doing something special this year. And uh, yeah, I just I want to keep working for the team.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I got to tell you, if if you made a move to Liverpool, you know, at any point in your career, I'd be buying a jersey. I mean, that's my team through and through. Yeah. Those Reds. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be awesome to see at some point for sure.
1: I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan, and if you went to Liverpool, I'd even buy a Liverpool jersey. (laughs) Arsenal looked good, man. Arsenal looked good. They did. It was game one. Yeah. All right, so like you just said, you know, you're completely focused on the Philadelphia Union. Following the MLS's back tournament, your market value, according to TransferMarket.com, it it increased by $3 million. And teams such as – bear with me here – Borussia Gladbach. Eintracht Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, Freiburg, Celtic, and most recently Jesse Marsh's Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg in Austria have been linked to a possible transfer with you. So, Brandon Aronson, like you just said, I know you're dupe till you die, but are you ready for a move to Europe?
3: Yeah, it's it's always been a dream of mine. This the sooner the, I think the sooner the better for me, and I think that. Uh, I think that just it's it's always been a dream of mine to play over. If you went on my YouTube, you'd see all European stuff, all player highlights, all their YouTubes. I'm just I'm obsessed with European soccer and it's something I really want to go over and play in. And it's just been it's a dream of mine for sure. But like you said, all my focus on the union and I want to keep doing my best
1: there. Yeah, you, you got your team in a very good situation, second in the the East, second in the Supporters' Shield. So we'll see how this season finishes up for you guys. Yeah. But let's – earlier in the podcast we mentioned Paxton and you were just watching his game with Philly too. Yeah. So, so just under two years after you signed your homegrown contract, your brother just signed his homegrown a yeah. couple weeks ago in August. Mm-hmm. So as his older brother, I'm sure Paxton looks up to you but is there any part of Paxson's game that you admire and what, what has it been like to have him right there with you and your path to the pros?
3: Yeah. So I'll touch on my, basically my family. Um, my dad played soccer at Monmouth university. He is a huge soccer guy. He's taught me everything I know today. Um, he's literally been my coach and has done everything for me. So I, I owe everything to him. He's, he taught me everything. I mean, everything. And, uh, Having a brother like my brother, who's an unbelievable player, too. I mean, I, I, saw, I'd say, I say this a lot, but over the quarantine, um, we had to work three hours a day in a place we know that no one was in, of course, because it's quarantine. But uh, we were there for three hours a day playing 1v1s. And me and him are overly competitive, I'd say. Anything we do, are competitive in. And I think that just our relationship is like, we don't get jealous of each other. We're always reading each other on like we'll send texts before each other's game. I'll talk to him about his game. We just have such an amazing relationship and we've been best friends since forever. And uh, we just, we get along really well and I'm incredibly proud of him and I think he deserves it. Um, but something I really, really like about him is how calm and how easy he makes the game look. Um, If you look at PAX and he's, He, he, he makes everything look easy. He's so creative. And I think that's where we're a little different. I think he's more of a 10 than I am. He doesn't necessarily work as hard as I do. Uh, I work, I work probably a little bit harder than him, but like on, I mean, on the field, of course, off the field, he works incredibly hard, but I think, I think for him, I think it's his creativity in the final third and that's something I'm going to keep working on and getting better. But yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly proud of him and I want him to keep working and stay grounded. And, have a, have the first season like i did and get a lot of game
1: time yeah and his homegrown contract i don't believe goes into effect until 2021 january yeah, one next season, next season yeah so and your guys is a little 1v1 training sessions for those three yeah. hours did it get pretty competitive
3: Oof, yeah it gets it gets competitive i mean we'll go at it i don't think there's any stupid tackles or anything like that but there'll be some trash talking uh stuff like that and then we just get into it and then afterward we're like, bros, again, we'll, play, we'll talk about FIFA, anything like that. Like, we just – we get along so well. And my dad trained trained us that entire time, too, finishing, final third play, passing, everything. He's just amazing with that kind of stuff. And Yeah, I mean, I could – I think I honestly got better over the quarantine.
1: And so, to clarify about your father, your father is – he He is – he worked – what is, exactly does your father do for one of the academies there in New Jersey, Correct.
3: Yeah, so he's uh, he's the full he's the head of Real New Jersey, which is in the MLS is next now. It's pretty cool, and he's the head he's the head guy there. And he's he took over that club when I was when I had my first team, and uh, they're really really good now. That club they're doing really well.
1: Nice, you guys are a soccer family, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, we are. My Little sister plays too. So,
1: <laughs> how good
3: is she? She's she's getting really really good now too. So it's funny because. We all had growth spurts, so I was small. Every, everybody in my family was small, and we grew like six inches, and she just grew probably last year, and now she's kind of growing into her body, and she's she's looking really, really good. What position does she play? She plays like – honestly, she plays like all of the front four positions. I think at that age, like, it doesn't really matter. Right. But she plays like left wing, center attacking, mid. She can play anywhere. She's,
2: she's really fast, though, which is pretty cool. Well, I've seen at least you and your brother, and you both look fast, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, probably, she's
3: probably faster than we were at that age, to be fair. Like, she's really fast, so. All right, man.
0: So, your Philadelphia Union are sitting second in the Eastern Conference and second in the Supporter Shield with uh, six six wins, two losses, and three ties, with uh, two losses coming against the crew and the FC Dallas. So, who has been the toughest opponent so far this season?
3: Yeah, um, for sure. I think that it's between the two teams that we played, Portland and Columbus. I think just the tough, the t- I would say Portland was tough just because of how they played in that tournament. They they sat back, and for our formation, it's not it's not the easiest playing against a team that sits back like that because we're trying to play through the middle, and it's hard for like me or the other center to find space, especially when you have Diego Chara following you around, and I think that like it, it was definitely a tough game for us, but Columbus, going to Columbus and playing them was really, really tough too. So probably between those two, just because Columbus is so good on the ball, it's tough to win, it's tough to win it off them. Defensively, they're very organized. So, yeah, both of those teams have are up there for the toughest teams for sure.
1: So we talked a little bit about Nagby. I've been talking about you a lot recently in our podcast, Brendan. Another player I've talked about quite frequently is Eric Williamson, defensive midfielder for the Portland Timbers. What are your thoughts on his play?
3: Yeah, I was really, really impressed with him. I, I, I went to a national team camp with him about a year ago, and he he looks really good this year. And I think that uh, I, I saw him play, I think it was LAFC, and I saw his goal, and I know he scored two, go- two goals in the last three games. I saw that. And I saw that, uh, yeah, I mean, when we even played them, he's just very athletic in the midfield. He can win balls. He can drive with the ball. I think that he's,
2: he's a really good player. Building off of that, just something from my own curiosity, who is someone in the midfield battle, you know, from any team that you've played against that's been your, the toughest matchup for you? Yeah, I think for me, I think the toughest that I played against last year, I played against
3: Giovanni Dos Santos, and God, it was tough getting around him, man. He's oh, so, he's so good on the ball, and for like I, I you can usually get around people because I'm pretty quick and I can like get around them and try to win the ball, but. He was incredibly quick, really hard to stay with, would shift off my back shoulder so I wouldn't see him. But defensively, I'd have to go with Diego Chara just because you know he's always coming. And it's tough to stop sometimes because as a 10, you're taking chances and you need to take a lot of chances. You might lose the ball, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's always there and you always have to be aware of him.
1: Yeah, good chance Chara's going to foul you as well.
2: Yeah, that's true too. (laughs) It's interesting to get those perspectives, you know, from the players themselves. You know, you watch; we get to watch you guys on TV and, you know, root for you guys. But, you know, really getting that inside perspective is always interesting. Yeah, and I forgot to say, of course, Darlington Nagby. <laughs> he's
3: impossible to take the ball off of, man. I mean, <laughs> he's in, he's incredible on the ball. He's just so good at dribbling. And he 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 gets you – I mean, you guys, right, every Columbus fan, you guys had a lot of trouble. So, uh,
2: yeah, he's, he's a huge player too, and he's really hard to go against. I definitely say he's been a he's been a huge asset to the crew this year, making that that, that midfield pick for sure. For sure. All
1: right, boys. Well, I don't have any further questions for Brendan. Do you guys have anything uh, further to ask Brendan before we let him go?
0: No. I mean, it's, it's been a good time talking to you today. Like, I appreciate like you just taking your time out of your day and just joining us for on our episode. So appreciate that big time, man.
2: Uh, yeah,
3: those awesome questions. I love being a part of it. I love answering all these kinds of questions, stuff
2: like that. So it was awesome being on. Thank you guys. Yeah. I do. I do want to just. I, I gotta talk about it. You know. Yeah. We got two Liverpool fans sitting right here, and then yeah. we also have a Chelsea fan. poopus didn't mention this, but Poopus is a Chelsea fan. Yeah, I am. I
3: like. I like Kai Havertz. So I mean, he he didn't have best first game, but it happens, and hopefully he'll turn it around next game. But uh, I'm, I, it's exciting watching them just with the players that they have.
2: Big game this weekend, man. Big yeah, game this weekend. Yeah, no. Who's your favorite on the Reds? I gotta ask.
3: On the Liverpool.
2: Yeah. Oh
3: god, I have. So my favorite player back in the day was Gerard. So that's what really got me in, and I also liked Fernando Torres too. I actually do my hair. I used to do my hairband like him. So uh, that was something I used to take from him. But right now, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Roberto Firmino. I like him a lot. I like Henderson. And I like. Rindo, baby. Yeah, I like Guinea wine. All them. I yeah.
2: like it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know we're not so different. You know I you had a Torres jersey <laughs> back in the day. I'm a big fan of Gerard. Yeah. Uh, love those boys. So.
3: Yeah, he's Gerard's awesome.
2: Yeah, but yeah, I don't have anything else, Brendan. Thank you so much for coming. on. I really do appreciate of course, it. Of uh, Really looking forward to the development and, and some of this news that's going to come out for you. Uh, hopefully with thank a you. with a big move to uh, to Europe here, joining um, your your fellow Americans. Thank you. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you as well in your upcoming game. Thank you. Thank
3: you, guys. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Brendan, Brendan, one of the things that stood out to me most about the or from this interview is how mature you are as a 19-year-old and how intelligent you are as a soccer player. And I think Jim Curtin has rubbed off on you a little bit and all your coaches in the past. But your maturity level is uh, unseen at 19 years old, and I think those two things that I just spoke on are going to take you far. And are going to help you out in your soccer career on top of the skills that you do bring on the field, as a number ten or as a number eight and a half, as you would consider yourself. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, Brendan, like those two guys said, thank you for joining us on MLS Gone Wild. It's it's been it's been a pleasure. I've been hoping to have you on for a long time, and it's yeah. it's been a it's been a great get for us. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So listeners, this has been season two episode 10 of MLS Gone Wild. We just had special guest Brendan Aronson on the show. Uh, You guys go ahead and give us a listen, subscribe, rate, review on Apple. We're also on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, MLS Gone Wild. Give us a follow, give us a rating, give us a review for all of us here, including Brendan Aronson. You guys stay safe, stay home, wear a mask. We'll catch you guys next week. Best of luck in the future, Brendan. We'll keep in touch, buddy. Thank you, guys. See you all right. Peace.